Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Taj Singh, who's president and CEO of Discovery Silver, um, a junior miner who are looking to develop their flagship project in Chichilla in Mexico. Um, This is a high margin primary silver mine um, and can turn into one of the largest primary silver mines in the world. Um, Taj has a background in metallurgy and has over 20 years experience in the mining sector in the areas of executive management, business development, capital markets, project development, engineering, and operations. So Charles is going to speak to us uh, about Discovery Silver um, and how they're going to discover, or sorry, how they're going to develop this world-class silver project. So welcome, Taj, to the podcast. How are you doing, Taj? Rob, very good to uh, be here. Thank you for having us. No, and I appreciate your time as well. So, um, how we always start all these podcasts off, I wondered if you can give us a background, uh, tell us about yourself, about your career, how that's developed um, to sort of um, to what it is today. Perfect. Well, basically, I've been in, uh, in mining my whole uh, career, uh, Rob, over 20 years in mining, as you had noted uh, previously. My educational background is a bachelor's and master's, both in the fields of mineral processing and metallurgy. So I've always Always been into mining. I always loved the big yellow trucks when I was a kid too, playing around with them. <laughs> but uh, pr- right out of university, uh, spent ten years at a major, uh, major cap diversified base metal miner called Inco, which was then obviously subsequently merged into Valley, which is one of the largest miners in the world now. Uh, so spent a decade there uh, at various operations around the world. It was it was kind of nice getting to work in Indonesia, various parts of Canada. And then when when Valley came on, worked in Brazil, so a lot of different uh, places around the world, uh, and see how things operate, and, and got to obviously see a lot of assets and, and huge expansion projects, etc., and, and how the business really works. Uh, then on to that, I went on to be a, a mining analyst, a research analyst, uh, publishing um, for some years uh, at a major Australian bank and brokerage, Macquarie Capital Markets, and I covered junior gold and silver producers. And again, visiting projects all over the world, mines all over the world, uh, doing due diligence on them and then writing reports on them. And then after that uh, was my first kind of uh, direct foray into Mexico. I'd spent some time, obviously, in in South America, in Brazil. But uh, in Mexico, I was uh, VP corporate development for a gold producer called Timmins Gold uh, in northern Mexico. Um, So I was was there for over five years. And then kind of about uh, four years ago now, a little bit over four years ago in Discovery, uh, was going uh, public, and they were looking for someone with Mexico experience, technical background, capital markets background. So I fit the bill there, and uh, and became CEO at that time. So it's been over four years now. And then in that time, I also saw served on various boards. Uh, most recently, the last board I was on, I was the uh, lead independent director of GT Gold. Um, since before it went IPO, and then when it went IPO in 2016, and then in 2020, it was actually acquired by Newmont. Uh, for close to four hundred million dollars, so that was uh, that was also an interesting adventure. So that's a kind of brief background. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to begin just tell us an overview uh, of the company um, and obviously uh, your flagship asset. Um, and also, just wondered. Obviously, you said you've been with the company for four years. So again, 
I suppose your your progression as um, obviously heading up the the company. I wonder if you can just give us an overview of that as well. Uh, sorry, just to to clarify, you're talking about moving through the company. Yes, yeah. You said obviously you've been there for, for four years. So yeah, as obviously as the company progressed with you at the helm, I wonder if you can just yeah just give us a snapshot of that as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So basically. Um, yeah, I took on as uh, took the role on as CEO. We acquired our project. We kind of went public in 2017. We acquired our main project, our flagship Cordero project. Now in 2019, we'd spent time looking around at assets. Uh, we were cashed up and looking for them, and then uh, found the Cordero Silver project. Um, we are, uh, like I said, Canada-based. Uh, we're in Toronto. Our headquarters, uh, exploration development company. We're aggressively advancing. Uh, Cordero, as you noted, one of the world's largest silver deposits. It's in northern Mexico in the state of Chihuahua. We own 100% of it, uh, royalty-free. And then really our main goal is the development of this project and advancing it towards construction and production. Uh, In terms of the asset, just a couple quick points. Really, it's the the combination that this asset has of margin, size, and scalability really make this a, a clear tier one silver asset, Rob. And um, I think it's probably one of the most meaningful and important development stage silver assets in the world right now. It's uh, The silver space is pretty limited in terms of having real meaningful assets. Um, and, you know, there's a whole backdrop of, of, of things looking extremely favorable for silver as it is. Uh, but really, in, 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 a, in kind of a, the space that's lacking really good assets, I think we really stand out. Um, we recently released a preliminary economic assessment. Uh, Cordero would rank among the largest producing and highest cash flowing primary silver mines based on that study, uh, producing close to 30 million ounces of silver equivalent. So it contains also some zinc and lead. Uh, so out of that 30, over half of that is silver alone, uh, but there's a meaningful contribution from zinc and lead. And this mine life is over 16 years, big, long mine life, large production, large cash flow per year. And on top of that, uh, in terms of you know giving some upside or some exploration potential, something that's not baked into the the share price, is the fact that the project is a huge, huge resource. So there's close to almost 400 million additional ounces that I talked about that are sitting outside of the planned mine. They're already drilled off, that could eventually be brought into production um, if if and when silver price kind of stays or moves into the mid to high 20s, which it is now, uh, and, and that makes it even larger than it's currently outlined. And lastly, just to talk about Cordero is the location. Uh, Mexico is the number one silver producing nation in the world. And we're probably in one of the, the best places to, to, to do business in terms of mining in Mexico. We're located in Chihuahua State on a major prolific silver belt. It's a very mining friendly state, significant infrastructure around. Um, and, and really our land package occupies less than 5% of our total, the, the kind of the resource area occupies less than 5% of the total land package we have around us. So. All of uh, all of the right uh, ingredients for uh, success here. Yeah, um, Discovery Silver has won several awards um, over the past couple of years um, based on share price uh, performance. Um, in 2020, you won the Toronto Stock Exchange Venture uh, 550 of 2020, um, and last year you won the US based um, Best 50 for 2021. What's I suppose what's the strategy behind your continued success um, year upon year? Yeah, it's been a it's been a good uh, a couple of years, um, two three years since we've acquired this asset, Rob. Uh, really, simply put, the strategy's always been to outline a business plan, make it clear, simple. Here's the business plan, and then consistently execute on it. 
and the, the really the credibility of the management team I found uh, is paramount to success. Um, you know, you have to earn it. Uh, and with Cordero, we did exactly that. We laid out a plan when we acquired it in the third quarter of 2019. And then we consistently met or beat on our expectations and plans for the project over the past two years. So that's that's really what's uh, what's helped uh, helped um, helped us outperform. Um, I wonder if you can just provide some key highlights uh, from the recent technical study uh, for Corrado. Perfect. I touched on a lot of them. Um, yeah. But what a what quick couple of points is the total resource size. I didn't talk about that. The total resource size of Cordero is over 1 billion ounces of silver equivalent. 90% of this is in the measured and indicated category. So kind of as we move to a PFS, those are all going to become reserves. Um, so, and as I mentioned, Cordero ranks as one of the largest primary silver deposits in the world, just on silver content alone. So if you look at that 1 billion ounces, often investors, they can kind of high level value companies through kind of a dollars per resource ounce method. And most silver companies right now are trading anywhere from $2 to $5 per ounce, depending on how far along they are, where they're located, et cetera. I mean, we're in a good jurisdiction. We're moving towards development, cashed up, et cetera. Those all kind of are uh, things that that help and, and keep you on the upper range. But even assuming $2, Rob, uh, per ounce, uh, you're talking about a value of over $2 billion US, right? And we're trading at a market cap of around 500. So we're trading at about a quarter of this value. So significantly un- undervalued here. Uh, and definitely, I think, deserves a look from investors. If you look at it from another point of view, the net present value kind of view, Cordero outlines um, a very highly capital efficient mine. Again, one of the largest silver mines in the world, close to 30 million ounce a year, 16 year mine life. I've talked about all that. Very nice cash costs coming around $12 per ounce silver equivalent. So significant amount of margin, uh, ranking it among probably the top quartile in terms of cost profile. So if you take that, you take current commodity prices and, and, and run that exact kind of PEA mine plan I talked about, the, the mine plan and the report we put out in, in late 2021, you're talking about an NPV, again, of close to $2 billion US, IRR over 40% uh, using current commodity prices. So again, in this kind of way, investors often use a multiple of NPV to value companies. Silver companies at our stage kind of trade in the 0.5 to 1 times range. Again, different factors will will uh, will adjust that. But even if you assume the midpoint of that 0.7 times NPV, that implies, again, a fair you know, kind of a market value or fair market value of almost three times more than we are now. So again, wanted to point out for different ways of looking at this, it's a it's a pretty uh, a pretty highly undervalued story right now that I think definitely deserves some attention. Yeah, certainly there's a lot of uh, obviously upside ahead. Um, do you uh, the company Discovery has a cash position of uh, over seventy million uh, Canadian dollars? How far would uh, how far into your project timeline would this take you? Would that cash take you? Yeah, so our current cash balance should actually allow us to progress Cordero to construction decision within about 18 months, uh, and then actually have approximately the same cash balance as we have now. Uh, the reason for that is we have about $40 million in Canadian worth of warrants and options that are that'll be exercised in 2022, uh, vast majority of them among, among very strong shareholders, so in, in good hands. Um, so that actually leaves us in a very favorable position. Um, we'll be able to complete all of our work, take this to a construction decision, all of the drilling, engineering, permitting, et cetera, including regional work looking for new deposits near, near the main uh, deposit 
should leave us with almost the same cash balance as we go to construction, close to $70 million Canadian. So again, very, uh, and obviously no debt on the balance sheet. So it leaves us in a, in a very favorable position and allows us to really um, push this forward. Um, how is uh, Discovery Silver providing uh, long-term social economic benefits to the, to the communities uh, you operate in and obviously also looking at ESG and protecting the environment? Yeah, exactly. Like it's become, uh, you know, a bit of a, a buzz term, but we've always been committed, uh, you know, to, to community engagement, uh, sustainability, environmental, uh, environmental uh, protection, etc. It's always been part of our part of our DNA. It's now I'm finding mining companies are having to do it, especially producers. I think we're one of the few development companies who actually puts a real specific focus and puts out an ESG report. Uh, we, we do one every year. Um, but we're committed to, to bettering the lives of our host communities, Rob, in, in every possible way. Um, I've been there. I've done it before. I've seen the benefits it can bring by bringing a project in into a remote area that's kind of been underfunded. Um, we've been very active specifically at our, in our project area uh, in carrying out social and environmental programs. So providing living supplies to families that need educational support and improvement for, for kids. And then carrying out a lot of um, and supporting. Uh, extensive environmental, ecological studies, et cetera. So the view is, is, is to then put in some place some rehab programs, environmental programs, et cetera. All of these, um, all of these kind of programs that, that not only leave the environment the way it was prior to the mine operations, but actually to improve it for future generations. So many remote areas just simply haven't received the environmental attention they need uh, in Mexico. And we've and have actually regressed pretty substantially due to natural weather changes, erosion, pollution, et cetera. So we're actually making an active effort to improve things in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, and what uh, have you had sort of any recent challenges or have you got any sort of challenges that are coming up that you've sort of got to overcome? Um, whether that can be anything maybe around further permitting, um, any, anything that you feel that could hinder the, the the progress the, truthfully the permitting here it's it's a very pro mining state i don't uh, you know i i see it as a thing we're gonna have to execute on there's execution risk but it's straightforward i don't see any flags that's a relatively straightforward process i i would say that with commodity prices the way they are um gold silver base metals etc and mexico is such an active mining country i think the the kind of pool of labor uh, could become could become something that we need to look at. Uh, so, I mean, the solution to that is to, is to make sure you create a, a really good environment for employees to want to be, uh, be working at. But uh, definitely, I think uh, labor is something we're going to be focused on uh, in terms of attracting good quality talent for the project and building up a team that can really see this project, uh, project through. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the main thing. Other than that, it's, it's nothing we can control really, but it's commodity prices. Uh, things look pretty good and steady right now. We've we all are aware of the fact that gold and silver should probably be substantially higher. Base metals have been doing extremely well, um, but you have to just run your business. These are the prices right now. You know, this is a mine at much much lower silver prices. I think we've definitely proven that. Um, and listen, if if uh, if and when uh, precious metals decide to really respond, uh, we're going to definitely be uh, you know able to benefit from that and and our investors as well. Yeah, obviously you mentioned the labour issues. Um, I think that's going to be a really big issue moving forward uh, as the industry moves forward. 
um, because there's going to be a lot of projects like yours, maybe not as big as yours, but there's going to be a lot of projects that are going to be needing needing expertise and there is a shortage there will be a shortage of mining personnel within the industry globally and it's only going to get worse where more and more projects are going to be coming online and um, obviously as a recruiter I, I can see I can see that happening so um, you're not you're not the only one that's going to be facing those challenges and um, I think it's good to start thinking about those sort of issues now rather than at that particular time. Exactly. And then, you know, completely tied to that is the fact that a company is naturally evolves. You go from explorer to developer to, you know, construction and, and producer. You have to kind of be ready and ahead of the curve and have your two, three year plan laid out that we're going to need these, this kind of skill set two years from now or a year from now. So let's start looking for it now. Um, so it's, it's, it's all a systematic and structured, but you, you got you to gotta put it in place and think about it and, and be organized in the way you approach it. Yeah, certainly. Um, and how does Mexico compare to some of the other regions that you've worked in in the past? So, yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. I've, as, as I've noted here today, uh, I've worked as, uh, you know, an engineer doing due diligence, et cetera, um, as an analyst, et cetera, et cetera, at, at various operations in various regions and regions of the world. And um, so I've been able to visit and carry out analyses of mines across many, many different countries. So I think I have a good understanding on this. And I've been working in Mexico for over 10 years now. So all the way from exploration to production. And so I, I personally am, am a huge fan of working in Mexico. I think, number one, geologically, uh, Mexico is very fertile ground for mineral resources. It's just naturally blessed. Uh, number one silver producer and probably top 10 in in. in in gold, copper, coal, zinc, like you name it, it's 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 up there. Uh, you know, number two, we talked about it again, but the country actually has a deep pool of skilled and knowledgeable labor. And, and mining is really an important part of the culture. It's one of the pillars of the economy, as stated by the government, the federal government, the current administration. Um, there's huge, huge mining companies we all know. It's mining is through and through part of the culture. So that helps. Um, and it also helps progress projects along because people understand, okay, this mine's going to come here. Here's what it can do for us. Um, looking at kind of costs, um, operating in capital costs, although they've gone up in the past few years across, across the globe um, and obviously in Mexico as well, but they're actually extremely competitive still, Mexico, uh, comparing to other locations. Um, and, and then the last thing, as we talked about as well, is permitting is actually usually quite clear and straightforward in most areas of the country. You'll have other areas um, of the world which permitting can drag out or, you know, they're not just as, as focused on mining. Things can really drag out here. You know, I, I think permitting was a little quicker before, very quick, but it's still extremely straightforward, actually, um, to, to move a project ahead compared to other countries, compared to even other some first world countries. Um, yeah. things, things that are also improving, I just wanted to last note, is, is the fact that environmental considerations are actually getting much more important, which I think is actually very good. I find that most Canadian companies operating in-country naturally try to use the level of standards um, with environmental work. Um, for example, Canadian standards apply them in Mexico. But even recently, uh, I think it's a positive thing, the Mexican governments have raised their expectations on this front. So I think it's really good to see that. Uh, and the last point is like Mexico gets a bit of a, 
bit of a, a, a tagline with it. And then security uh, can be rough. We've seen <laughs> lots of Netflix shows and everything. Um, but really, uh, there are areas that are difficult to operate in Mexico, but it's like many other countries, right? Most of the country, the security situation is fine. You have a strong, knowledgeable local team. Uh, and I've personally been working there for a decade and, and never had an issue, knock on wood. But uh, it's really just about having knowledge and kind of a, a local base um, uh, to, to, to operate from. So, uh, yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of working in Mexico. And lastly, uh, and obviously to summarize, uh, what are the key goals for Discovery Silver uh, for 2020 um, to, to the end of the year going into next year? Yeah, it's pretty simple, Rob. Uh, the goal is pretty clear. 2022, the company is going to strive to advance the Cordero to a pre-feasibility study, which will advance the project further, de-risk the project further. And then it's expected that is expected to be released in the fall of 2022. I think it's a very important milestone for this year. In the meantime, we can expect steady news uh, from our ongoing and extensive drill program. We currently have four drills going, infilling um, the main resource area, stepping out, and then also some regional work, some interesting regional work at some new targets. After a year, um, say, say fall of 2023, or so is when we're planning to deliver the feasibility and construction decision. Um, so it's it's going to be a very busy time. Uh, we're really excited uh, to get this going and, and and move it forward. And then again, I've, I've sort of alluded to it before and noted it is the backdrop of, of precious metals prices. Um, I think <laughs> we've waited and waited and waited. Um, everything's lining up, um, you know, for for a really strong precious metal bull market. And and to note. Many of your your listeners know, but silver always, in every precious metal bull market, um, outperforms gold. Gold's steadier, uh, but if you want some really really outsized returns and can pick it at the right time, silver can really lead the charge. Uh, and there's also, you know, as as much as there's an investment demand going to increase for silver, the industrial demand is also there, which provides a very nice kind of uh, protection and floor of the silver price. So uh, I think things are are really all lining up. Um, for the project and, and we're really excited to push it forward. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I, and I agree, agree with you with the uh, silver price. It certainly is, uh, certainly is very low and should be a lot higher than what it is. And no doubt over the, over the course of the, the short term uh, or short to medium term, that price will increase. So uh, yeah, I'll meet, I'm with you with that. <laughs> Good. Um, Chase, really appreciate your time um, in telling us about obviously Discovery Silver. It does seem an exciting project and a mammoth, obviously, exercise that you're going to be going through. And, and hopefully, you will become one of the larger, largest silver mines in the world. Obviously, a lot of uh, a long journey ahead. Um, and obviously, wish you well in that and maybe come onto the podcast uh, next year to give us an update. Um, for, those that, um, for those that are listening, um, may want to ask you uh, any questions or find out more about Discovery Silver. Um, how can they go about doing that? Are you across any social media platforms at all? Yeah, we're very active on social media platforms, um, Twitter, as well as LinkedIn. Um, our website is www.discoverysilver.com. And you can also uh, contact the company with the uh, email there, info at discoverysilver.com. So many ways to contact us. We're very active on on social media and will continue to be. Um, yes, and I encourage investors to do work, 
um, and, and look at the story uh, and, and again, reach out if they've got any questions. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your time, Robin. It was great to be on the show. Yeah, and thank you. And we'll include all of those um, uh, social media links in the the um, show notes accompanying this podcast so they have easy access to uh, to find out more about Discovery Silver. Um, for those that are listening, um, pre- uh, appreciate if you can share this episode amongst others in the industry, wherever you are uh, around the world. Um, silver is an undervalued asset and it's increasingly becoming more uh, in demand, not just from monetary value, but also industrial value, as as Taj has, uh, has alluded to. Um, so um, certainly that price will rise, So, um, which we're all hoping for. So appreciate your time listening. Um, and if you want to reach out to Taj, feel free to do so if you have any questions. Um, and yeah, appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.